was popping, was popping, was popping. Welcome, Nikki and Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And welcome to episode 61. <laughs> Today's title is called Invest in Your Future. And we're going to be talking about just that, right? We got some uh, Coinbase and, and crypto talk in the NFL kind of vibe. We got um, spending $3 million on a YouTube set. Really? Sheesh. I'm confused. Uh, some Black Friday talk. And just a whole bunch of other stuff. Moose, how are we feeling about today? Yeah, I'm excited. I used to think that every week we had to like completely revolutionize the wheel. But I think sometimes when something is really important, you got to repeat it a few times. So I think this show is going to be super important for people to tap in. All right. So let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never-before-seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force, but more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And you already know what time it is, is the review of the week. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to take a comment from our YouTube channel, right? And bring it all the way back from when we used to do the Facebook Live days. Because somebody, uh, I did not reply to that and I apologize. So I might as well reply on the actual podcast. Said, great video. And they're talking about actually the J. Cole breakdown. Great video. Nice breakdown. Really enjoyed the channel. Uh, also, Moose did a great job of breaking down and uh, breaking down the building and numerical balance of building a brand. So shout out to everybody who leaves us a comment, a review. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, go check that out. Subscribe, all that great stuff. And of course, uh, shout out to all our new and uh, vets of our listeners and viewers of this podcast. We totally appreciate you. All that great stuff. Moose, how are we feeling today? Man, pretty good. You notice it's uh, we're recording this one. Shout out to everyone who's actually watching the episode and not just listening to it. We are recording in the morning. Well, not in the morning, but earlier in the day. We usually record at night, so we got some coffee to get this thing rolling. Uh, feeling really good, though, man. Fresh off of Thanksgiving. Didn't eat too much. I wasn't mm. like typically. Yeah, typically I'm the fatty at the table, uh, but I didn't overindulge. Kept it pretty light. And uh, I haven't, uh, I, I think I told you yesterday, I haven't jumped into the, the Black Friday specials just yet. I, well, actually, I did, mm. but most of my money went toward investing, not so much actually like purchasing the consumer goods. I'm going to get to that. I'm not saying I'm an angel and, oh, yeah, look at me. I'm, I'm about to indulge in some, some consumerism. But uh, okay. for, for the most part, most of my stuff went towards investing, yeah, last night. Uh, stayed up doing a couple of things like that. So um, yeah. So are you gonna are you gonna tell the people like at least one of the investments, or are we just like ah, no? Oh, we're good. I'm I'm yeah. No, we gonna cover it on the on the episode. I mean, I've I've oh. been talking coin yeah coin boy Coinbase uh, coin crypto boy? coin coin coin. It's early, you know. what I'm saying so you gotta get the <laughs> you got you gotta get the you know you know yeah you gotta get the jaw the jaw coin, warmed boing, up boing. yeah, but uh. Coin, I, I invested in coin boing. <laughs> I invested in some coin boing and um, Coinbase. Okay. Uh, yeah. Crypto world. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, really, I, I've been telling you about the whole uh, metaverse concept. I'm really, really interested in that. Uh, so, well, yeah, we'll talk about it more for sure, for sure, like in detail in the episode. But okay. yeah, that's, um, that's been where I'm at. Tell, tell, tell us about your uh, your Black Friday. I saw you out at North Face, that line looking kind of crazy. Um, I'm actually surprised you left your house. I was like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> she definitely not leaving the house. And then when you text, like, oh, I'm about to run over to North Face, I was like, oh, that's different. Yeah, so, okay, so Thanksgiving, I stayed home, right? Um, and for those people who saw our you know, happy Thanksgiving post. I definitely had the uh, Oculus Quest 2 on and was just enjoying life. Um, actually, didn't know that the Brazilian steakhouse actually delivers. So mm. I had a fire meal. 
I had wow fire meat like Brazilian bread, the the fried bananas, mashed potato, the flank steak, some other kind of steak. It was just fire, right? Um, however, yes, I did go out to Black Friday. Um, I because the outlet is about like two, three blocks away from my crib. Like not really far. Oh wow. Right? Close, close. Yeah, no, no, no. It's really close. So, but still the parking was crazy. I should have known then, right? Uh, my mom used to always take me out for Black Friday and I used to always see the crowds and I was like, ah, eh, I'm not. And I'm not a shopper. Like, I'm one of those people that will, like, look at the, like, the walls, see if I like something and that's it. Racks really, like, I don't know, give me anxiety. Like, it's mm. really bad. It's like, nope, can't do that. Do I see something cool? Boom. But I was like, you know what? Let's go outside. Um, let's stop being the the mini introvert that you are and have become. So let's go outside. Let's go see what's happening. And there was lines and I didn't understand. Like I saw, of course I saw lines at Nike, you know, under armor, all that great stuff. Um, Tommy Hill figure. So I was like, man, then they're not going to have no lines for uh North face. It's not popping like that. Long behold, they did because they were 50 and 60% off. I was like, oh, mm. so yeah, I stood in line. I didn't really see anything that I liked, but hey, I went out. I went outside. Yeah, you know I me. Mean? I went outside. <laughs> but um, I did want to talk a little bit more about Black Friday because, from like a business thing, and we've had this conversation like with the coaches because we were like, okay, you you were like, yo, should we talk about Black Friday? And I was like, ah. Right. Like the planning of it, when to do it, how crazy you could look in. Like, I'll ask you this question. Mm -hmm. What uh, what was the. What was the worst and you don't have to name names, you have to name names, but what was the worst deal that you saw and why was it the worst deal to you? Like I said, don't have to name no names. But like yeah. one thing that you saw and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm definitely this is bad and I'm definitely not getting it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the you'll see some stores that tend to drop a little bit of their price in one product, but raise the price of another. So it almost like evens out. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's probably one of the worst patterns I've seen. And then there are also some premium like items or just things that are relatively expensive in general that they're not going to expense them in a way that you're like, oh my God, this is mm -hmm. the, the deal of all deals. So like, not to say that a little bit of saving is, is better than nothing at all. Uh, but just for me, I'm just like, I, I think it's poorly executed when you make it a big deal and you kind of hype up the consumer to think that they're about to save all this money and they walk in and they're like, oh, free shipping. And you're mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> right, that's, right, right. that's what the Black Friday is about. So I don't, yeah, I don't like the overhype of, you're, we're going to, you know, crazy deals. And then they, they almost lie to the consumer in a sense. So he, here's a, this is what I was like, uh, really big on this week is, do you have to give a discount for black Friday? And the reason why I say that is because like, I was, I was big on like, yo, not having, like certain brands not necessarily having that that discount, like just this is my price, but I re-released it, all that great stuff. So, of course, I'm looking at Marathon, of course. Uh, every year I'm looking at Nipsey's mm. brand because they just happen to do something all the time for Black Friday. Now they released new stuff and normally when they release new stuff, there's no discount on the new stuff. But even the new stuff, they had a discount, which... Almost, I didn't, I, I said last year that I wasn't going to buy and I didn't, right? Mm. But it almost got me because I'm like, yo, not only did you release new stuff, but you also honored the Black Friday sale. I was like, that's pretty dope, which made me look at other brands like, if you're not giving a deal, like, I don't know what we're talking about. Like, mm -hmm. Black Friday is for deals, not necessarily for, you know, new stuff, even though before I was like, 
you drop new stuff that that like you could do that. But I'm thinking from a model of if you release something new, cool, but the rest of the stuff got to be discounted for Black Friday as well. Right. So I wanted your take on like what model as far as for businesses who are selling, whether it's product or services, like what model do you think would work well based off what you've seen with Black Friday? Like mm-hmm. what what would people want to kind of consider next time? Yeah, I think for a personal brand, especially, and I saw someone online who did it really well, mm-hmm. and they pretty much just, just stay true to their word. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, we, we've talked about, you got to understand that how your business operations or how your business dealings almost train or engrave bad habits into the consumer. So if you say, hey, 50% off till midnight, and then you know that you're going to do it for the weekend, let's say, mm-hmm. right? And then midnight comes on, you're like, all right, all right, all right. everyone is telling me to keep it going, so I'm going to keep it going. And it's more of like an attempt for you to gather more sales. Yeah. I think really what you're doing is like you're misleading the consumer. I've, I've had this conversation with so many people because I didn't want to just say it was like my only thought process. But I think sales, the concept of selling, should no longer really exist. I think mm. consumers today are so smart. Like when you like the Oculus, for example, we had already researched it. Yeah. We know what, you know, we knew all the, we don't, imagine you went into the store and somebody was trying to resell you on the Oculus. You're like, yo, my friend, like, I already know what I want. I know what I'm getting, as a matter of fact. Just answer my specific questions and let me go. So I think the concept of overselling also is not necessarily a good thing. So staying true to your word, if it's 50% till midnight, like I saw uh, Nipsey and Marathon, they did, or I should say Marathon, rest in peace in it, but yeah. uh, they... They did that, right? I think it was like 40% till nine and then 30% yeah. till like they had it kind of split up, but they stay true to that. And I think that's something that us as people building personal brands or businesses, we really need to kind of pick up on those patterns and keep our word where our consumers, even just from a scheduling standpoint, based on some of these deals, you know, we are, we're meeting the standard. Yeah. So how do you, because one of the things that um, is common is like, especially for personal brands is like they'll run the the Black Friday sale and then they say mm-hmm. extended for the weekend and then right. Cyber Monday, right? And right. it's like is it really right. that? Like I mean, I have I have my own experience with Black Friday with uh the sales as far even with with deeper than the brand like on some like okay, Black Friday and we had it all planned out for the going towards the weekend and Cyber Monday. And I was like, uh, kill it, Black Friday. Mm-hmm, kill, just mm-hmm. kill it. Like, stay true to that you said this is a Black Friday deal. Let's not extend it. Are we giving them extra? Are we changing the price? What are we doing? If not, let's kill it. Unless yeah. we're increasing. No, yeah. it's working. I don't care if it's working. You got to stay true to... What you doing? Like, what do what do you mean? So, we we kept it for Black Friday, and that was it. We ended it. Now, clearly, there were some other issues that I'll talk about maybe in the after show. But um, (laughs) so get the after show. But um, but yeah, no, I I think it is important. and that doesn't even have to apply for a Black Friday sale. That could apply for like when you do trainings or when you do any kind of sale. It's like you know this. This is uh, only a hundred left, you know. And then mm-hmm. when the hundred is, you you're still selling it, and it's like, yeah. yeah, wait, 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 because then the people who bought it, then that that limit and scarcity feeling for your brand has now left. Yeah, yeah, you lose the exclusivity for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Like you want the feeling, and it happened to me yesterday. There was a course that I wanted to pick up, and that was, you know, we talked about it Tuesday and. And sorry about some of the technical difficulties, <laughs> YouTube or whatever wasn't cooperating right. with us last week. But, you know, we were saying like trying to, the reason why we had that talk was like, utilize most of your funds back into your business and your brand before you like spend on yourself. Not saying don't enjoy your money, but just try and reinvest back. Mm-hmm. And there was a course that I was looking at and I was debating between, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get this one or that one. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a 50% sale or something like that. And legit, when I finally made my decision and go to check out, the, the, like, the discount was over with. 
Now, mm. as you know what I'm saying, as a consumer, you're like, dang. But you know what? Again, we talk about what you do or how you run your business trains habits with your clients and your customers. So now for me as a client and a potential customer of that company, when I see the, the I know it's not a gimmick, it's legit, this percent off until this number, get it or you lose out. So sometimes we think like missing out on money right now is a bad thing, mm -hmm. but it's not because it can, it can actually train the habits of your consumer or your client for the life cycle that you guys do business together as long as you uphold that standard. So yeah, and, and, and I don't know what your take about this, but I don't know too many personal brands or small brands that can bring in enough sales to carry out an entire year or enough, enough sales to carry out an entire cycle, or like let's say a, a season of life through mm -hmm. just one weekend. Mm. You know, it's like, I don't, can you bring in a hundred million on a weekend as a personal brand? I'm not saying it's impossible, but that's there's the people, type of money there, that- I mean, there's people, there's people who make like about a million, you know- A million a weekend, yeah, for sure. A million a weekend, a million a launch or whatever like that. You know, there's probably some that do a million a week, you know, I know some that do that. So it's like, it's, it's possible, I think, when you're looking at maybe the average kind of personal brand and what they're doing, you're looking uh, like, of course, the the immediate goal is like six figures, you know, six mm -hmm. figure launch. Can you yeah, master yeah, yeah. that? And so, you know, but that does run run dry, like like you said. So um, it, it it is possible. I think it's just a matter of mastering that that kind of flow, because even with with like us. Um, I'm now honing in on more of the results than the price. You feel what I'm saying? So I don't want to do the gimmicks of, okay, this is all equal all this up and this is $4,000 and today we're slicing but, it to four something. Right. Like, and I, and I <laughs> but, saw that on our yeah. page and I was like, yo, that's so disgusting. You feel what I'm saying? That's Jesus, so yeah. disgusting. And so I, I want to focus more on here are what you're going to get and this is what it's going to do for you, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because, and and that's for anybody who's like in that kind of like educational, I want to teach the people and duplicate myself. Like what is the results that you're giving instead of necessarily mm -hmm. the guap of stuff that you're putting in a pot and saying, here, you're getting all of this for this amount. When this yeah. is normally a thousand over here, three thousand to get into this community, it's five hundred thousand dollars. Like what? Right, right. Yeah. I actually have a lot to say about that. I'll say some of it now, and I'll save some for the after show, just because I know we got to get started. Yeah. But I want to remind just all the entrepreneurs, all the trainers, and facilitators, and people who have done something successfully and go back and say, "I want to give back to my people." Please be mindful of your pricing because you can't take away from the very people that you're trying to help build up, right? So when you are taxing these communities that you say you're trying to build up as a, as a form of trying to help them get out, I, I think it defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do here. So, so I, I think just on this note of pricing and value add and perceived value, and, and again, all these fancy terms, and that's why I'm saying the consumer is getting so good. Please understand that people know when they're being sold and oversold and even misled. So, so there's no need for you to try and beef up something or make it something more than it is. Just like Nikki said right there, right? Like, I'm actually going away from that. Like, let's not do the, oh, all of this is usually about 20, mil, 20 million, but for today only, you get it for $2.99. It's like, Come on, even as a consumer, you got to be thinking like, yo, what's the catch? Right. Like, why, why are you not charging me even half of that? Like, what, what's, it, what's really happening here? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we, our, our community, like, look, we, we have some amazing gifted people and super talented folks who have brought knowledge to the world in ways that we probably would have never imagined possible before. But don't rob the communities that you're trying to uplift with some of these gimmicks. Like, that's not... That's not what it's intended to be, at least not in my belief. There you go. I just wanted to touch on Black Friday real quick and some of the thoughts that I had with it. But let's let's get into uh, let's get into this week's convo. Uh, big big news, big big news uh, that we don't really see very often. So uh, mm -hmm. 
Odell Beckham Jr., right? Uh, For those who don't know who that is, that is a wide receiver from the NFL, right? He had just recently got traded to the Rams, um, and he is to take new salary in Bitcoin, give a hundred million, a hundred, one million, where'd a hundred? Maybe I thought Mm -hmm. of it. One million (laughs) dollars of digital currency to the fans. So... First and foremost, that right there is it it was done before with Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. but only partial of the salary. He's doing his whole salary in Bitcoin, really yeah. putting towards the like, yo, this is going to be the future. And it is said that he can make up to four million dollars uh, off of this kind of move by putting it into Bitcoin, because if Bitcoin rises, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it is it is crazy. Now, when I I'm not going to lie. And Odell, I love you because like you are a giant and I still remember the catch and I still have your jersey. So this is no shade to you. Right. It's none. Um, I thought he would have made more. So when he said <laughs> like when they said, oh, he can make up to four, uh, four point five. Not not saying that is it a lot. Don't get it twisted. Right. Not saying that. But I think of Odell, but then clearly there's some stuff that has transpired and clearly with, you know, moving from team to team, maybe this is where he's at right now. But I was like, ah, you were you were the man. You you right. were you were the chosen one. With how did we get to going into Bitcoin to make possibly the most of four point five? I was very confused, but mm-hmm. That's that's neither here nor there. That's just me. Yeah. Um, and don't fight me, nobody. It's just my opinion. Uh, but I thought this was really interesting because even now I'm like, Ayo, uh, Aoe. Right. Hey, 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 buddy. Hey, <laughs> you want to give some of this situation to uh to Bitcoin or Ethereum? Bitcoin. Like, what right. what are right. we doing? Like, I'll I'll take this amount. Like I would, right. I would be, I would be interested in taking some payment and in some crypto. I would now, yeah. Yeah. now for the, for the audience, definitely let us know what you would do. Would you pull this kind of move? Would you put all of your salary? Would you put some of it? If so, would you, how, what's the percentage? Like definitely hit us, hit us up and let us know. But Moose, what, what do you feel about this? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a it's a really dope thing, right? First off, you got to look at someone who's had career earnings north of 100 million. I don't know the exact number, but I would imagine between contracts, endorsements, like you said, he's one of the top receivers of at least the last five years, despite of injuries. So he's got to have at least north of $100 million in career earnings. So for him to make this move now, very smart. A couple of things to make note of here, though, again, from a business side. Number one, The only reason why that number is probably what it is, it's because they're probably a little bit more than halfway through the season or just about halfway through the season. So that's not his full salary for a year. That's probably a portion of it at, you know, with whatever was due for him for the year. So he just took the remaining end in Bitcoin. Phenomenal. Now, the rollout for those of you who didn't catch the video on his page, which what I love, and this is obviously your talk as well, Nikki, but I love the rollout because from a partnership standpoint, that announcement was made in collaboration with Cash App, which lets you know that he also got a check from Cash App, right, to make this announcement and take it. So, yes, he got a portion of his salary in Bitcoin, but he also got some money from Cash App. I wouldn't be surprised that that million dollars he's given away from fans was probably the exchange that he made with Cash App. Like, you know what? Instead of paying me, to like for a brand collab, why don't you just give away money to my people, right? And 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 call it like I, you know, call it like I did. And I'm not saying that he's I was like, you pretending think he's or that whatnot. Generous? No, no, oh, no. That's dope. I mean, that's dope. But like, it's, it's a smart, it's a it's smart move to think about it. Yeah, if like, yeah, if you want to give back. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm just saying from a business standpoint, like look at how some of the some of these deals are structured, because while some of us are not yet at that magnitude of like, you know, seven-figure deal making. I think this is a way that we can get some ideas when we're collaborating, when we are, I don't necessarily like the term bartering services, but just working together to kind of make things happen. These are some ideas that we can get 
for how to make something come to the table, right? It's like, you know what? All right, let's do this. So those are just some of the ideas. But I think it's a great move. You know, someone like him with the amount of fame and, and stardom that he has to make a move like that and invest in his own future, uh, shameless plug to the name of this episode, uh, I think it's awesome. I'm with that. And I had to look up, actually. Uh, so he signed for a one-year uh, one deal. So it was a, mm-hmm. a $4.25 million. And so, uh, according to the NFL. And so the offer, uh, the Rams offered him a 500K signing bonus and a 750K base salary. Um, so, yeah, this give a little, you know, little background on that. But I do, I do like how Cash App is, is now picking NFL players, like you said, right? Um, and, and probably going more into the sports world as mm-hmm. far as bringing awareness because Cash App, it also does um, buy and, and sell Bitcoin, right? They, yeah. I think they sell maybe some of the top coins or, or just oh, really? Bitcoin, but for sure Bitcoin. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, they're like, okay, for more people to be on our platform to do such thing, we got to get into the top influencers. Might as well start with some of these NFL players. So they did Aaron Rodgers. Now they're doing Odell. So... I feel like they're going to be trying to try to battle Coinbase, which we're about to talk about. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's a smart move from Cash App from a from a more popular. If if your if your favorite player is using it, you might as well as you know check it out. Associate, so, yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty dope. You know what I mean, pretty dope. But but kind of in a in a transition of we mentioned Coinbase, right? Uh, Moose gave me this really interesting clip from the standpoint of if we're we're talking about all this crypto stuff, like where, how does some of these platforms get built? But I looked at it from a standpoint of here is when you have a problem and what is the solution? Like the clip that you showed we're, that we're about to play was that simple to me. Here's mm-hmm. your problem. Here's the solution. And the solution, exactly. if you concentrate on that, is definitely going to get you to new levels and demands rather than trying to come up with stuff on your own. What is the problem? What is the solution? But I'll let you uh, kind of introduce the clip. Yummy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I think the, the the thing that makes me most excited about this is that I'm very grateful that information is readily available to us now, you know, as opposed to maybe even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I love more importantly that our community and our culture is conscious enough and aware enough to pick up on some of these trends and mistakes that we've made in the future to want to take advantage of what's, or excuse me, mistakes that we've made in the past to now want to take advantage of what's going to happen in the future. So I think this is just our way of doing our part to kind of like contribute to that. So I wanted to break down a few lessons in this clip because there's so much to take away from it. In addition to what you said, right, just a simple solution to the marketplace put them at a $100 billion market cap when they went public. I thought you was going to drop some horns for that. All oh, right. okay. Oh, but anyway. My bad. Okay. All right. My bad. Sorry. I'm, Sorry. I'm, just, I'm just saying uh, $100 billion would it be for such a simple like, oh, this is cool. But it's missing this. Let me work on that because it's within my skill set and boom, it takes off. Of course, there are some hurdles along the way. But I think that being the biggest thing and more importantly, us starting to pick up on the trends of the future and thinking about how we can position ourselves. Right. We're talking about accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment as possibly position ourselves as key players in this. So I think there's a lot to take it, it take away from it. But, yeah, we'll uh, we'll discuss a little further after the clip. Let's get into the clip. In the early days, bitcoins were lost and stolen. Exchanges were shut down. It was a new frontier that was complicated. And so I would start to think about how could this protocol be easier to use? How could I make something that helped it grow? So Brian set out to make a simple way to buy, own, and sell Bitcoin in hopes of improving access and adoption. Think about it, if you send an email or a WhatsApp message or something, it arrives instantly, it'll go everywhere in the world, it's free. What we haven't seen is a financial system that works like that. All right, 
Let's go in. Go. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So check this out, right? So this is the, the clip that you just heard uh, is from the founder of Coinbase. His name is Brian Armstrong. Now, he was someone who used to work at Airbnb as a software developer, or just let's just call it a developer. And he noticed that one of the challenges that they were having was getting money across different platforms or different areas of the world, different parts of the world instantly because of exactly what he said there, right? Email, you can receive instantly. Messaging, everything was advancing, but what was the most outdated part of their business model or this whole thing was the currency por portion of it, right? It took you know anywhere from three to five business days to just get a simple transfer. So it didn't happen at the speed of time, and in a way, it was holding business back. So he goes on his journey of just kind of exploring, and then he comes across this concept of Bitcoin. And this is the first thing that I wanted to really highlight here. He wasn't the founder of Bitcoin. And I know we can kind of confuse that because we're saying, oh, Coinbase, he founded Coinbase. It's a solution for Bitcoin. No, 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 no. Coinbase is a platform. Bitcoin is just one of the many cryptocurrencies. And he provided a need to an idea that was widely growing and a mission that he believed in. So when you listen to, to his interview and, and either with other interviews like on different platforms or even that video that we, sh that we showed, he's really kind of explaining like this is something that was founded by uh, a person or a group no one really knows by the name of uh, Satoshi. I think I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. And he was the founder or they were the founder of Bitcoin, but they were noticing that the biggest problem there was security, right? It wasn't easy to get a hold of. Uh, there were there were some fraud and things that were happening in addition to it. So they loved the idea of like, man, this makes sense from a business standpoint, right? Like we're in a new world business model that needs these instant transfers to be able to get money across without having to go through all these waitings and, and hula hoops. But there are some issues. So he attaches his skill set into the back of something that is already growing and, and he's believing in. So I thought that was like from a business model for us out there who are not yet going or still trying to get off the ground, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. That we can literally tie in part of our skill set, uh, something that we do really well, into a growing idea and use that as an opportunity to build wealth and grow our businesses. So that's the key lesson that I wanted to drive today. Like we can pick up on some of these trends. And, and again, if we're looking for credibility, the guy is now worth $6 billion, again, with a B since their company went public, and then a uh, $100 billion in market share, you know, just through that platform. So they're growing every day, but I love, I love what they did there just to be able to bring it from nothing to this whole big, you know, idea now that, uh, that is giving opportunities for others to use the, the currencies or not use them, but at least trade them, buy, sell, make that a little bit more accessible, which, you know, is, is something that, that I think is super dope. I like that. I like that. And um, I think for for me, like I said, it was just very simple. It was here's a problem, here's the solution, and like like kind of how I was talking about with the Black Friday thing. It's like what is the results that you're trying to give? You know, people buy into results. People believe into results. People don't always necessarily believe a random idea. It is hey, here's the problem and this is what we can do to solve that. And what I found interesting with uh, with Coinbase is just some of the, the different moves that they have going on. Funny thing is that Adidas just recently uh, tweeted, uh, we're partnering with Coinbase, probably nothing, mm. which normally means it's probably something, right? <laughs> and with... with uh, you know, we we mentioned, I believe, last week, the week before that, Nike making their moves um, in, into the metaverse. Uh, where I'm actually curious about what does this honestly mean? Because if Coinbase is more of a platform to store crypto, right, is this, and here's where I'm going to assume or, you know, give my two cents, maybe... Adidas is going to come up with their own kind of token mm -hmm. to where 
they're being you have to buy this token to purchase their merchandise in the metaverse right and you, the only way you can do that is getting on coinbase buying it and getting their wallet to purchase that that's some of my ideas with why people yeah. would want to partner with uh with like a company like coinbase just in this whole metaverse world that for those who don't know like you have to have a certain kind of wallet to purchase some of these things in the metaverse or some of these NFTs and Coinbase is definitely one of those wallets and on top of like MetaMask and everything. And I'm not trying to get too geeky because this will go over some people's heads. But if these major retailers are starting to think about, I need to get my products and my services in the metaverse, they have to mm -hmm. start thinking about currency as well. They have to start thinking about how do we receive uh, payment for our, you know, digital products that are in this particular metaverse. So I, I, yeah. I love uh, what Coinbase is doing. I love what, you know, just, of course, it seems like every week we're going to be talking about a little bit about the metaverse here and there. So here's right. our little segment right. with that. Maybe we got to brand it somehow, some way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Yeah, no. I like but, where it's going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get, get in. Get, get, get knowledgeable on this because this isn't going anywhere. This isn't. Let me ask you it, this real quick, actually, go. before we transition. I think this might be interesting. Um, what, are, what, is, what are some ideas or maybe even some, some things that you think somebody uh, who has a, a product or service-based business out there, small personal brand or small business, mm -hmm. or maybe even a, a mid-size, whatever, whatever. I'm not trying to stereotype, but I'm just saying for the people who are not like Adidas and Nike, yeah. Uh, what are some things you think that they can start to think about to position themselves to, you know, be like early adopters in the metaverse? Like, mm -hmm. is it a matter of starting to consider, uh, I don't know, we talked about buying land in the meta metaverse, uh, yeah. maybe getting some of your products. In, like, how can you position it? Because my idea to it is with everything new, there is the yin and yang relationship, right? There's yeah. the good and the bad. And I would love for us to be early adopters and people who pioneer good right. in a new world, right? right? Like we're doing it here, but in a sense, everybody is like, yo, yeah, like I want good for the world and I want to save the people. But I think doing it in a new way would be really cool. So I'm actually really interested in that. But I'm just wondering, any ideas from your front, like for somebody who is listening to this and they're like, okay, this is interesting, but how do I get involved? Because that typically is taboo. Any ideas or things that maybe you're considering yourself? Yeah, I think uh, from from an easy standpoint, start looking into NFTs, right? Um, the reason why I say that is because right now it is a more of a community base than anything. Like what we were covering before was some of these random drops, really great art or video clips and people will sell one-offs and that was it. But now what's happening is that if you create a NFT project, which is like multiple, let's say, animations or art design, like let's say you, if we were talking about before when we were talking about the Bleacher Report and the basketball that they had created, you would be giving out multiple different designs as artwork of these basketballs, but each of these unlock a different type of access possibly for your community where uh, maybe they are able to go into a special event. Maybe they're able to uh, get exclusive merchandise. Maybe they're able to get a phone call with you or things like that. Like NFTs, if you haven't looked at, into them, as far as maybe, you know, sticking your toe into it, you may want to look into that. Uh, we've talked about it kind of finding out more about this metaverse and maybe starting to buy land into it, right? There are two very popular ones, which is Decentraland and Sandbox. And those are two places where people are really starting to buy land. Now, those are the two expensive ones as well, mm -hmm. right? So you can either go into that understanding that you're probably going to be spending Right now, Ethereum is like a little bit over uh, $4,000 and they're going for three Ethereum. So three times four, do the math. I can't do it because I suck at math, but you get the point, right? Um, 
and then possibly building a store out of it, a mall out of it, a, you know, rec center or something like that, that goes towards your brand. There was one that I was seeing that did like a little arcade. And one of the thing was, uh, when you press on it, cause it was like, uh, like a link, like a hyperlink on a statue and it took them to their Instagram, you know? So, uh, that you may want to look into that a little bit more, but there's a lot of things that, that you can do as far as preparing. I, I would just, I would get just those two topics without super nerding out. Um, mm -hmm. it really like, okay, cool. Or from a very simple consumer stand base, uh, get, get the Oculus. Hey. Get some type of VR headset. Um, if you want to jump into that, there's rumor that Apple's going to do their little um, eyewear, not calling it little, mm -hmm. but, you know, their eyewear right. into the virtual reality and augmented reality. So there's just a lot of stuff that's that's happening that as brands and businesses that we just need to keep uh, like be very, very like keen to it, because even I was talking to Q yesterday. Uh, shout mm -hmm. out to Quincy Harris. Uh, he put me on his live. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm chilling in the metaverse. He's like, yeah, it's going to take me a minute to to get into that. And that's how some people's mindset is. It's like, yo, mm -hmm. it's going to take me. Like, I'm not so used to that. Um, I'm, I'm just getting used to this whole social media thing. Like, now you want me to get into the metaverse? And I'm like, we did. Um, and, and Isaiah definitely put it on the screen for uh, for our social media people. But we were um, we were in the metaverse, right? Um, nice. We had a meeting. Uh, me, Carl, Isaiah, Nick, Jose, and Jose and Kurt actually dialed in, and so they saw us. But we were mm. able to go into the whiteboard, share it, share our screen, work with our computers, and we had our own office. It was decorated. Awesome. We saw like smoke come out of this like like a vent and everything. It was just really dope. Mm. And as, wow. and it, the experience was like, as you move your head, if they're next to you, you hear them louder than mm. if it's on your right. So it's realistic. So if Nick is on my wow. left, I'm hearing Nick louder and I'm hearing then Carl on, on my right. right. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. So, wow. you know, that's really cool. It's going, yeah. it's going to change. I showed it to E, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, look, this is going to save on on planes because they want to do mm -hmm. a whole retreat. I was like, well, we just did we did our meeting in the uh, in the metaverse. So metaverse, you uh, yeah. you tell me how that works let, out. Yeah. Let me say this real quick. Hmm. For those of you out there who are still on the fence, forget. your like openness or you feeling weirded out about this idea of a metaverse. Mm -hmm. But if, if you're more of a practical business person, all right, let me say this to you. Never pass up on an opportunity to make your brand or your business younger, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what this is doing. And the reason why I'm saying that, shout out to my client turned friend, uh, his son. His son is 11 years old. Mm -hmm. You know who I've been going to to get most of my, re like, my understanding about the metaverse? Him. Uh, oh, An 11-year-old. An 11-year-old young man is the one who's teaching me about the pros and the cons. And he was telling me, he was like, he was like, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity for it, but people have to be careful because they can get such a high experience in the metaverse that they'll be fed. Like you can buy food, but you won't actually feel the nutrition. So like it, it can mess with people's minds. And I'm like, yo, the fact that an 11-year-old child understands this so deeply, yeah. that's an opportunity for us to make our brands and our businesses younger which then extend the lifeline of how long we're on this earth for. So again, I know it's a little crazy for some of us, but just consider it from that fact alone. Yep. And that put it for those who are, who are, who are watching. Um, and if you're listening, I'll tell you, I got the, the picture of the crew in the metaverse right there. As you see, hold on over there. Fire office um, too. Yeah, I know. Right. It's super dope. <laughs> um, and see me in the blue hat. I'm there. Racking it out, but yeah, this is this is just what it is, and um, we just gonna get ready for it. You know what I mean? But uh, let's talk about um, from a creator side. 
Um, this I found this very interesting. So this was trending uh, a bit where uh, there is a YouTuber called Mr. Beast. And he created a real life squid game set that had people compete for four hundred and fifty six thousand dollars. Right now, the reason why I found this very amazing was because he spent three point five million dollars on this particular set. So every wow. game of the squid game, which I fully haven't seen in its entirety. I saw a little bit of it. The main character annoyed me. I couldn't watch it fully. I'm sorry. But clearly, everybody loves Squid Game, right? Did you watch it? I did not, no. Oh, see, well, at least I saw part of it. But um, it's, this is not about the Squid Game. This is about he had all the games uh, that was in Squid Game and gave prize money to it, and it took him two point no two million to do the set and to produce it and 1.5 million dollars for gifts i thought that was crazy i thought that was amazing and mm -hmm. with mr beast he has about 78 million subscribers on youtube he makes three million dollars about three million dollars between youtube royalties uh sponsorships merchandise you know those kind of brand deals it's so i was like oh okay you spend a month's worth on the set but what mm -hmm. was interesting i'm like yo there has to be some lessons that we can learn from this dude because if you're making three million a month mm -hmm. off of youtube i believe he's about like 23 years old i believe he looks old mm -hmm. But I believe he's right, that, right. right? Wow. Um, what can we learn from just a how to how to grow in your in your lane as well as how to grow your brand? So I found this clip uh, for anybody who was interested in YouTube and and growing that or just any type of like content wise. This is I found this interesting. I think I got monetized till I was like 15 or 16, but ever since I got my first YouTube paycheck, I just always spent it back on YouTube. Was that because the belief was distribution is the most valuable thing? I just wanted to be the biggest YouTuber I could be. Like, if you want to be a YouTuber, if you're watching this, right, like, and you're thinking in the scale of 10 years, like, if you literally are grinding and you're obsessed and you're just every day studying and, and learning and you surround yourself with smart people and you just work like hell, to be honest, for 10 years, like, there's probably a good chance you'll make it. But if you do that over the course of six months or a year, I don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but that's why I like, I like to think over a yeah. span of a decade. A lot of people are very short-term sighted, but you know, as long as you're innovating, adapting, reinvesting, I, I think if you do it intelligently, like you have a good odds of, I don't know. Like hmm. So clearly um, the, the part that really uh, intrigued me was the finance part, right? Um, that everything that he got, he reinvested into it. And we clearly see that even with the squid game thing. Now, um, Mr. Beast like gets, I think on a, on a regular, like 50 million streams. Like there was one video that had 152 million, like it is not light numbers, right? And his whole thing is like, all I wanted to do, not necessarily be the most paid YouTuber, not necessarily, uh, you know, have this, that, and the third. He just wanted to be the biggest YouTuber. And so he invest, reinvested everything he had in order to make better videos so he could be known as the biggest YouTuber. And it teaches just from whether it's a branding or business side, if you're wanting to be the best, are you putting back not only the money, but the energy every single time, you know, with, and I believe he puts out a video, I don't, several, several videos a week, right? And they continue to get better. Like he buried himself 
it under under the ground for like 50 hours or something like that. He was in uh, c- confinement for 50 hours. Like he does these random things as well as give money away. So he gives uh, one of the biggest prizes was that he gave a person uh, 500K for just being in a circle for 12 hours, right? So he's doing things intentionally to get people's uh, attention, but in all order to be the biggest YouTube star. Now, he doesn't have the most subscribers, but he is in like the top, I want to say top five of YouTube subscribers. Now, I did also like that he said a 10-year span. He did address like, yo, if you thinking that this can happen in six months to a year. Okay, cool. But if you are thinking as a, a long term of 10 years, um, and I think 10 years is one of those like um, happy mediums or something like that, because uh, shout out to Ian, the master investor. He says, invest in 10 years, you'll see results. You know, uh, E with, you know, his 10 to 20 years kind of concept. And so when I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, of course we would want to grow certain amount of numbers, whether it's within engagement or sales for a year. Like we're seeing people do six figures, seven figures in a year, all, you know, but if you already go to a 10 year span and you're studying and you're reinvesting and you're innovating yourself over and over again, right? That is now what you may have made if you did it the, you know, what we see the microwave wave kind of situation right now. You could have hit a good lick for a year or two, but is that going to last 10 years? Whereas if you go with a mindset of I'm going to do this for 10 years, you're instantly lasting because you're instantly mm-hmm. trying to do something new. You're instantly taking that dollar and turning it into a dollar 50 and reinvesting that dollar 50 and turning it into three fifty, And you're continuously piling it up and piling it up. So not only from a creator standpoint, but just from a, a brand and business standpoint, I think that 10 year formula is something that we should pay attention to where he said, yo, study, reinvest, reinnovate. Um, I think there was one other thing, but those are three that I got that I'm like, oh yeah, it's, yeah. why am I even holding some of this money that I have? For real, for real. Yeah, no, I, I love this clip, man. And, and thank you for bringing it to light because I think it's, it's, it's like really a reminder for us, like, yo, find that thing that makes you almost go crazy but you don't care that people think that you are, you know, yeah. like we, we really got to do that because like when you first said it, like, Oh, he spent three and a half million dollars on a video. I was like, Oh, my man is crazy. Yeah. But listening to him talk about it, he is totally fine with you calling him crazy. Why? Because that is his dream. Like that is his goal. He, he, I was reading some stuff on him and he's saying, you know, he's living his dreams of being a YouTube star or the vision that he had as a 13 year old, as a teenager. Yeah. So I think that's something that we really got to respect and appreciate, but I love what he's doing. You talked about reinvesting and just from a, like a number standpoint, you, you, and, and this is why I always say, don't be so worried and caught up in the magnitude of someone, of what someone's doing. What? He gave away 500 K man. I don't even bring in 500 K. How can I give away 500 K? What? Oh. He put 3 million in a, in a video. I can't, I, it's like, look, Listen to what he's saying. If he's, and I'm, I'm just listening to what you're saying, and this is how I want other people to translate it. He makes $3 million a month. That's $36 million a year. And he put about $3.5 million into a video, which is 10% of his yearly income. Mm. Can you, have you, and that's my challenge to you, have you put in 10% of your yearly income back into your business? And that's why I said this Black Friday, Right. Or this holiday season, let's call that because Black Friday might already be over by the time you listen to this. Have you invested back into your business before you spent on consuming things? Right. So I think that's a great lesson, Nixon. Yeah, that's so dope, man. I'm not saying anything after. Not saying anything. (laughs) That's a whole formula right there. Some people are like, "Mm, I haven't invested 3%. I haven't invested 3%, (laughs) let alone you're telling me 10. That's crazy. Um, but 
there's this uh this last clip that I'm I I love and I've I've stated uh several times not only on this podcast but um even on my stuff where when we're thinking about expanding we're thinking about you know growing and scaling our brand sometimes we think about new products and new mm-hmm. services instantly like you know uh, for example, if we were McDonald's, I'm going to think of a uh, quesadilla um, mm-hmm. instead of necessarily doubling down on my burgers. I'm going to do a, a, a mic quesadilla and like see that. how that w- see how that works, <laughs> right? I want to I want to reach my uh, my Hispanics out there and see how this works out. But sometimes it's not a matter of creating something new; it's a matter of going global. So mm-hmm. he did something really interesting with his channels. Um, instead of creating, now he does have like a gaming channel and a, a philanthropy kind of channel because that's what he's about. But he he also has different languages for his mm. original channel, and so this was the concept about that. Started uh, dubbing. You can overplay clips. I don't care. Uh, our videos in Espanol, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so you hire a voice at over actor to play yeah. your friends. Voices. Well, I hired some. Uh, we actually got some celebrities in Mexico, and so my main channel is sixty percent American and like whatever the UK is mm. like 15 percent. But on my Espanol channel, it's one percent American. It's literally a whole new audience. No way. Yeah, and so these are people like I'm literally number one trending uh, in Mexico with videos that I uploaded two years ago. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, so I want you to take first before I go in. Mur, that's so dope. So dope. I just looked up his nationality. I'm like, oh, maybe he's of like some form of Latin descent, right? Or he speaks Spanish. If that's like, you know, that's the move he made. And it says, Mr. Beast, American, Wichita, Kansas, U.S. Right? It's like, no, he is <laughs> not, not from all. any of those things, right? Absolutely. So. I think I think it shows the genius of like a business mind. And I think just someone living in America, you you probably have to notice that the Latin community is extremely large, right? It's mm-hmm. like they're 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 very present, very active in the US. So for a way to want to expand your business, and you know this, I'm a huge fan of diversity. It's like that's a great move. Like, and and I love that he's pulling clips from two years ago. <laughs> like, like he's not, you know, they're questioning him like, oh, so you're reproducing. No, 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 no. He's like, no, I'm just pulling stuff back from two years ago mm-hmm. and giving them opportunity. And it almost reminds me almost like a Drake of a Drake concept in a way, because, you know, in some of our episodes, when we cover Drake, we talked about him getting heat for like not using the island or using the Caribbean culture, but not putting them on. And he's like, nope, every time I go into an island, I put artists of that area on. So the mm-hmm. fact that he's using people from Mexico, right, like like he's using people of that area to kind of help bring awareness to it, I think is genius. So I love that. OK, let me expand, but I'm giving back to the people who are helping me expand and kind of taking it to a new level from there. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm going to state this real quick. Uh, any uh, male and female. Right. Uh, we need two, one, one male, one female who uh, speak Spanish. Or any other real language, but like Spanish, we'll, get, we'll pick some of the top ones. Spanish, uh, what, what, what else is popular? Italian, Italian's popular, French French popular. would be cool. Yeah, huh? I was going to say, I was going to say, French would be really French, cool. French is cool. Uh, Chinese, Japanese, how, like, but definitely Spanish first. Let's go Spanish first, right? Because we're Queens people and there's so many Spanish people in Queens. So uh, male, female who want to kind of like one take over for me and take over for moves for some of these episodes. We'll give you the episodes. And that I think that I think that's genius, first and foremost. Heck yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the fact that now he is trending. Over in these Spanish countries for something that he did two years ago. When mm. we're looking at always trying to recreate something, recreate something like, no, let's use some of our stuff. And how do we go global? How do we mm-hmm. reach new audiences? Because we really haven't reached the the billions of people in this world. Like we're, we're focused on maybe our city. We're focused on our state. We're focused on our country. But there's 
several of the countries that we haven't necessarily touched. There's like, and maybe we've touched a little bit about it because maybe they understand our native language. But what if we were to really communicate with them in their language? What would mm-hmm. the fan base be then? What would the the impact be then? What would the interaction be then? You know, um, to where now if 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 Mr. Beast wanted to create uh, a video out in, you know, in Mexico, he could. And it would be super receiving, you know. There'd be people probably lined up to watch it because they're so they know now of Mr. Beast. My question is, do they know you? You know, mm. do they know? Do does the Spanish community know you? Does the the Asian community know you? Does the Italian community know you? Right, and not those who speak your native language, but those who honestly speak their native language. And if we haven't touched the global aspect of our brand, there's still a lot more work to do. There's still not more products and services to do. How can we turn our programs, our products, our services into a different language to attract other people? You know, you're looking at some people have courses, some people have ebooks, some people, you know, have T-shirts. Well, have you turned a T-shirt into something Spanish? Have you even tried that? Like if we had the uh, the shout out to Eve, we turned the the E uh, breed shirt hands. into Spanish. Oh, How yeah. would that do? Yeah, right. You know, um, yeah. and, and and reach out to those people. And this is where it's it's crazy because he said his stats of you know I got sixty percent U.S. but I got one percent of Spanish, right? And now that I'm reaching now that I'm doing this particular thing where I'm now translating it into Spanish. Now I'm trending. So all these people are new because over here Mm -hmm. in my other channel, I only have 1%, but over here I'm making thousands and, and thousands of views over here off of a brand new audience that didn't even know who I was. Right. Right. And that could only help. Yeah. That could only help. So now I'm like, are you going global? If you're not mm-hmm. going global, do not right now think about creating something new because all you need is a bigger audience and creating new products isn't going to make a bigger audience. It's sometimes just going to only cater to the ones that you have right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to all of those people who are familiar with the, the concept of blue ocean strategy. It's it's mm-hmm. more of a business book or whatnot, but I love that idea because you know, it's maybe in our society, in our culture, everyone's big on competing. Yeah. But but like some of some of the business people, they don't like competition. They want to dominate. So so if there's a lot of competition in the American YouTube space, he kind of applied his own blue ocean strategy and said, Oh, you know what? Let me not stress. Let me go into a completely different market. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to compete with the, you know, the YouTubers of this in this area. I'm gonna go and you know, almost build and dominate in a completely different space. So, yeah, it's uh, it's cool, man. I, I love it when we break down kind of like the science of this because you start to really see the patterns of things that we can do. You know, like I've talked about it with some of my own stuff. I'm like, man, when I, as I relaunch, I want to utilize every skill set and I want to lean into the deepest parts of me. My native language is Arabic. I speak it fluently. I can be a little bit rough around the edges, but with practice, I'm sure it could work. And I've seen some other like trainers and educators who do that. Like on, on their YouTube channel, they'll have their English videos that goes yeah. out and it's probably like their main bread and butter, but they have a playlist of their videos translated into their native language that's available back for their communities, you know, in different countries around the world. So I'm really fascinated with that idea. And I think, yeah. That's good. <laughs> but uh, do me a favor. Uh, go check out our YouTube show or oh, YouTube show, live show, right? Uh, every mm. Tuesday, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. 5 5 5 5 5, 5 yeah, p.m. Five. West Coast time. I always mess this up. I apologize. And go follow us on uh, Nikki and Moose everywhere at Nikki and Moose and uh, Moose. Final words. Yes, sir. I'm going to give a 
I'm gonna I'm gonna use final words as a short story this time because I, I think it's it's gonna be fitting. So give me give me like 60 to 90 seconds on this clip. All right. So I've I've talked about how I upgraded my equipment over the last few weeks. And I had an iMac that I bought in 2016 when I first started my hospitality business, and it was bought for that reason. Uh, about two years ago, this iMac almost went entirely dead on me. I mean, it would power on, but it would take, you know, anywhere from five to 10 minutes just to be able to press like a Safari button, right? And when I was upgrading, I used that as one of my trading options. I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually trade it back. I have no use for it. So I, as I was backing everything up, I signed out of my iCloud account and that thing became a rocket machine. I'm like, yo, where was this performance you know, over the last two years when I could have still used this desktop. So I'm sitting there and then Rubelsi's like, wow, are you sad that you're going to like kind of give it away? Because I'm not going to lie, part of me at that moment, like anybody out there who's given away something that, you know, is still working, you're like, damn, maybe I should keep it. Like, forget the trade in value. And then I sat back for a moment. And I said, you know what? No, I'm not sad because it served its purpose. When I first bought this computer, I bought it so it can help me build this hospitality business so I can be exactly where I am today. And it's done that, like it's served its mission already. So my word and my challenge and my reminder for you this week is stop hanging on to things past their purpose. Stop hanging on things past their purpose. If you invested into something, if you have dedicated your time to something and, and in your vision, it was dedicated for something specific. Once you reach that line landmark or once you reach that finish line, let it go.